Coming up this week, Electrify America shows us the future of EV charging. Tesla's Berlin Gigafactory is now up and running. The start of the E1 series is getting closer and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 102 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and interviews with industry experts. I am so excited about the news this week. After hearing about these stories, I'm sure you will agree with me that the future of our world is looking very bright. The lead story this week I read on Jalopnik, although I'm pretty sure that uh, every EV news outlet covered it. Electrify America, the charging network here in the U.S., says that they want the EV charging experience to be more human-centered, and the company aims to reinvent the look and feel of many of their charging stations to elevate the charging experience for customers. At these sites, customers can relax in a lounge while their car charges beneath the solar canopy. They also mentioned valet charging and security features and cable management systems that will make it easier to plug vehicles in regardless of where the charge port is located on your car. In addition, EA hopes to add battery storage on site to help mitigate demand and likely demand charges. The plan is to introduce these locations to select sites in California and New York later this year and in 2023. California locations include Santa Barbara, San Francisco, San Diego, Beverly Hills, Santa Clara, and Baker, while Manhattan and Brooklyn, New York will get to as well. And I have been saying for years that EV charging locations need a lounge or a coffee shop, somewhere that customers can relax while their car charges. Or honestly, at the very least, sites should have a bathroom, a trash can, and maybe even a squeegee for washing your car's windshield. I don't think it's a stretch to ask for these things, and I am thrilled to hear that EA is going to be moving in that direction. Next, an all-electric coach bus has made a successful trip across the country, 2,500 miles, actually a little bit more, using only public charging stations. North American motor coach seller ABC Companies has announced another successful trip across the U.S. using a Vantool TDX25E all-electric bus. The double-decker motor coach, powered by Proterra Power, traveled 2,524 miles from Winter Garden, Florida to Costa Mesa, California. The bus averaged 260 miles per charge, powered by a massive 676-kilowatt-hour battery. Charging times were on average three and a half hours due to a max charging rate of 147 kilowatts. The bus averaged 2.08 kilowatt-hours per mile during highway traveling at a speed of 60 miles an hour. So doing the math real quick on that, it would be roughly uh, a one-half of a mile for every kilowatt hour used, or eight times less efficient than many electric cars. Now, granted, yes, it's a big bus. Um, And I don't know how the comparison would be with a gas or diesel bus, but honestly, the energy usage seems really high, or the efficiency seems really low, even for something that is effectively a rolling brick. And maybe I'm doing the math wrong here, but honestly, I don't think so. Next, Tesla and Elon Musk are making the news this week as the long-awaited Gigafactory in Germany is now open, and CEO Musk is hinting at publishing part three of the Tesla master plan. The Gigafactory in Brandenburg outside Berlin has been in the works and under construction for quite a while now, but this week, the wait for the European-made Tesla vehicles is over. 
Elon Musk officially cut the ribbon on the new manufacturing facility and presented the first 30 deliveries of the Model Y to the customers that were in attendance of the event. Tesla sees the Berlin factory producing up to 500,000 vehicles annually. The Automotor und Sport publication in Germany reported that the Tesla plant is targeting output of 2,000 vehicles in its first few weeks of serial production. Troy Teslike, an independent Tesla researcher, tweeted that the company is then hoping that vehicle output will hit 1,000 per week at the six-week mark following the start of commercial production, and then 5,000 per week by the end of this year. Giga Berlin has been several years in the making. It is extremely important to Tesla's plans to expand globally following the opening of its Gigafactory 3 plant in Shanghai in late 2019. The company has also started production for the Model Y at another plant in Austin, Texas recently, but Tesla has yet to hold the grand opening for that site. I believe it's scheduled for a rather large party for April 7th. In November 2019, when Musk announced plans to build a car plant in Germany, he lauded German engineering, saying, quote, Everyone knows that German engineering is outstanding for sure. That's part of the reason why we are locating our Gigafactory Europe in Germany. We are also going to create an engineering and design center in Berlin because Berlin has some of the best art in the world, end quote. German authorities gave Tesla conditional approval to start production on March 4th, The conditional license for the vehicle and battery plants in Brandenburg was expected following months of delays. Tesla has intended to start production of vehicles by early summer of 2021, but of course, the COVID pandemic, supply chain complications, and clashes with environmentalists slowed its progress. This new factory is one of many that will help Tesla move towards the goals that are expected to be outlined in Elon Musk's Master Plan Part 3. For context, I would encourage you all to Google Tesla's secret master plan and master plan part two, where Elon outlined many of the goals for the company, not of all which have been achieved yet. Part three, according to Musk, will focus on scaling Tesla to an extreme size, which, as he says, is needed to shift humanity away from fossil fuels, as well as outlining plans for incorporating more AI. The fact that scaling to extreme size is included should not be a surprise to anyone, While Tesla is the largest auto manufacturer by value, they are still quite small when you look at the number of delivered vehicles per year. Last year, Tesla delivered just shy of 1 million units, while competitors like Toyota or Volkswagen sell many, many millions. Scaling will be necessary for Tesla to compete in the automotive space overall. Certainly, no one can argue that they are dominating the EV space, at least here in the U.S., It will be interesting to see how adding 500,000 vehicles per year from Germany will fit into the mix. When you consider that Tesla wants to be selling 20 million vehicles per year by 2030, you start to really understand the challenge ahead of them. Master Plan Part 3 has not yet been published, but once it is, I expect it will certainly get all the headlines. The next news story didn't get as much attention as I think it should have, While I'm selfishly not a fan of autonomous vehicles or autonomous vehicle driving features past an advanced level two, I have been very interested in the technology for years, and after previously working in the insurance industry, I've always wondered about the liability issue should a self-driving car be involved in an accident. The criticized AV feature suite from Tesla from a liability standpoint is still just a set of driver assistance features, and as such, the driver is responsible for what the car does. If you get into an accident while on autopilot or even the full self-driving beta, you, the driver, are the one at fault, not Tesla. 
Well, what happens when you move to a true level three autonomous driving where the driver is no longer responsible for keeping their hands on the wheel or eyes on the road? Mercedes-Benz is answering that question this week, saying that their drive pilot system is the first level three hands-free autonomous driving technology available on a production car, and that once active, their tech will allow drivers to watch a video, FaceTime with friends, play games, etc., all while the car handles the driving. And the important part, if there is an accident where the car is at fault, Mercedes-Benz will assume all legal liability. And sure, that sounds like a huge risk for the company, but they're moving in this direction slowly. DrivePilot will only be able to be used on certain highways, and the car must not exceed 40 miles an hour. So don't plan on it being the answer to all your prayers just yet. However, it is a step in that direction for the sake of all of us is the right direction. And in case you're curious why I said I'm not a fan of AV tech, it's simply for selfish reasons. I love driving and I love having control of the car. But aside from that, there is no doubt that AV technology will save lives and be better for all of us. So well done, Mercedes, and I'm looking forward to see where this leads. Next, some news from another German manufacturer, but this one isn't good. Volkswagen has extended their production pause for MEB-based EVs as they have been significantly affected by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Volkswagen Group has a number of suppliers in Ukraine, and the war has meant a challenge sourcing components and wiring harnesses. According to Electrive, the group's main plant for MEB-based electric cars in Zwickau will not resume production until the beginning of April, after it was first halted in late February. The plant was supposed to be producing 330,000 EVs per year, including the ID3, ID4, ID5, Audi Q4 e-tron, Audi Q4 Sportback e-tron, and the Cupra Born. The same situation concerns their factory in Dresden, where at a smaller scale, the company was producing the Volkswagen ID3. In other words, the group is now not producing any MEB-based electric cars in Germany. Meanwhile, two additional sites in Germany are preparing to launch production, Emden for the Volkswagen ID4 and in Hanover for the new upcoming ID Buzz. Skoda's plant in Mlada Bolslav. There we go. I can I can read it. I promise. Skoda's plant in Mlada Bolslav in the Czech Republic also struggled to maintain normal production of the Skoda Eniac IV and at least reduced output, according to Automotive News in Europe, as of early March. Almost all street-legal Lotus models have followed the same recipe for light, simple sports cars, with only a minority featuring more than two seats. So it's no exaggeration to say that the freshly unveiled Eletre, or Eletre, and I'm waiting to hear how to pronounce that, it is going to be revolutionary and a significant departure for the now Chinese-owned British brand. It is a high-performance electric SUV. Anyone who expected the production version to be related to existing Volvo and Polestar EVs has been proved wrong. The finished car sits on a Lotus architecture, which is more advanced than the un underpinnings of any of its cousins, one that incorporates a new aluminum and high-tensile steel structure and an 800-volt battery pack. Car and Driver says that we will have to wait for full powertrain details, but Lotus promises that even the least powerful will have all-wheel drive and at least 600 horsepower. 
The company is being similarly reticent about the battery pack's exact capacity, saying that it will have more than 100 kilowatt hours of storage. Lotus claims it will sprint to 62 miles an hour in under three seconds and top out at 161 miles per hour. They're targeting a range of 373 miles on the European WLTP testing cycle. That's probably going to be closer to 315 miles, according to EPA methodology in the U.S., and the Eletre can replenish two-thirds of its battery in 20 minutes at a 350-kilowatt fast charger. So of course, that doesn't mean that it can charge at 350 kilowatts, so it will be interesting to see how those details shake out. Adaptive dampeners and an air suspension will be standard on all versions. Of course, the latter being able to raise the ride height of the car by up to two inches for off-roading and reduce it by one inch to improve stability at speed. Other optional dynamic features will include carbon ceramic brakes, rear axle steering, and an active anti-roll bar. But we will need to wait until closer to the start of U.S. sales for detailed American specs. Several details are conspicuously missing from early communications. The first is weight. While the company says that extensive use of aluminum and carbon fiber has reduced mass compared to a more conventional structure, we can safely bet that this will be the beefiest Lotus of all time. Informed speculation suggests it will be around 5,500 pounds. The other is price, which is not confirmed yet either, but car and driver is told to expect proximity to the Tesla Model X, so that suggests a starting point of roughly $120,000 to $130,000 when it does reach the U.S. in 2024. But one thing is very certain, and that is that Lotus's future looks very different than its past. And the last story I have for you this week is about the E1 series, the all-electric boat racing enterprise led by Rodi Basso and Alejandro Agag. A few months ago, the pair electrified the audience with the E1 series announcement, which of course will be the first 100% all-electric boat racing category. Green Racing News writes, the sensation effect was immediate. The expectation grew as the days went by until the official vehicle was revealed, and now the countdown to its 2023 debut is beginning to widen down. However, this year we'll see the beginning of on-water tests that will give life to a new division of motorsport. The objective of the division is to promote electrified powerboat racing, offering unparalleled spectacle in large, imposing, and beautiful settings all around the world without forgetting the main goal to echo sustainability at the marine level, and above all, to demonstrate how important it is for the ecosystem's balance. Twelve teams and ten locations are waiting for next year, as well as motorsport fans. The Racebird electric boat will be the main weapon of the E1 series, which besides being eye-pleasing due to its aesthetic aspects, it turns out to be a real powerful machine on the inside. If you haven't started to follow the E1 series, I would really encourage you to do so, First, they electrified the streets with Formula E, then they electrified off-road with Extreme E, and now E1 will electrify the water. Safely, of course. Boat racing might not be your thing, but if there is one guarantee that I would put out there, it's that this will be the most exciting boat racing the world has ever seen. So that's your news for this week. I've got a few announcements before I close out. First, those of you who have been watching the YouTube videos I put out there, thank you. The channel this week passed 125,000 cumulative views. 
And yeah, I know that 125,000 views is not a lot compared to the major players in the YouTube EV space, but I'm still excited about it, especially the performance recently of all of the Arkimoto videos that I put out there. Apparently, people like them. If you haven't seen those yet, I'd encourage you to check it out because the Arkimoto, as I've I think I'm probably going to go on and on and on about this for months, maybe. Uh, it is one of the most spectacular and exciting vehicles I've ever driven. I hope that comes through in the videos. Also, the Patreon family is growing. Uh, let's give a big welcome to Charles Hall. Charles has joined us at the producer level. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Charles, from the bottom of my heart. As a member of the producer tier, you will get your name read out on this podcast every month. And of course, anybody that joins Charles at the producer tier will also get their name read out once a month and printed in the show notes. If you feel like I have earned your support, you can join Charles and the rest of the small Patreon family by going to patreon.com slash EB resource. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If you're in the market for a 12-volt battery for your Tesla or other EV, you can look forward to a small discount on your purchase by upgrading to a lithium-ion battery from Omu. All you have to do is follow the referral link in the show notes and enter, cart, enter code EVR at checkout for a 5% discount. I do also get a small percentage for the referral, but you get a bigger discount and, of course, the benefit of the best and longest-lasting 12-volt batteries on the market. So win-win. I invite your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. You can always leave a comment on the YouTube videos that I put out there. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll get all of the future shows and videos and everything, no matter what the platform is, delivered to you automatically so you don't have to hunt around for the EV Resource podcast every week. If you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on our webpage under the podcast section and on many of the major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being with me, and I'll catch you next week.